God bless you for being here this morning. Jonah chapter 1 is the place in God's Word that we're going to be. If you're a guest, we welcome you. And we would say to you that if you're new to the things of God or new to the things of church or faith, we're glad that you're here. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, we don't want you to be embarrassed by that. You On your phone, there's the Bible that you can use digitally. But if you would like a hard copy, then you're welcome to take one. We have a few left uh, here on our bookshelf in the back in this room. And it's this little Bible here. We'd love for you to have it as a copy. And also, if you're a guest, you got a bulletin and we take notes. And if you open that bulletin, you'll notice that on the left-hand side, there's a place for you to take notes. In the top right, there's a way for you to register as a guest. We would love for you to do that because we want to um, honor you and uh, just praise God for your attendance here today. So thanks for being here. If you did look in the bulletin, you noticed this morning we're asking four questions from the book of Jonah chapter 1 verses 4 through 16. And you'll notice the title said the depths of despair. I got to tell you that we're going to have to work really hard to walk out of here encouraged today. But thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, anytime we are under the teaching of God's word, we can be encouraged by it. But I will give you a word of warning this morning. We're going to look at a prophet of God, uh, someone who had faith in God, uh, someone who had a relationship with God, someone who was called by God and rebelled against God. And we're going to see this morning just how bad it can get when one of God's own rebels against the word and the call of God. We're going to do that this morning by asking the first question. And the first question is, what is a warning sign? Now you may look at that and say, that's not spiritual pastor. That's not theological. You would be right. It isn't necessarily a theological question to ask, what is a warning sign? But I think it's important for us to ask nonetheless. And so, uh, you know, I, I dove in to some PhD level research to find out what is the definition of a warning sign. And here's what Wikipedia said. <laughs> now, if you have a PhD, I'm not meaning to insult you. I'm just jealous of you. Okay. <laughs> but you know how we, we always go to Wikipedia for all of our answers. Good, bad, right? Uh, we go there, and I want you to know, here's what a warning sign is, according to all of the brilliant minds behind Wikipedia. A warning sign is a, a type of sign which indicates a potential hazard, an obstacle, or a condition requiring special attention. Let me read that to you again. A warning sign is a type of sign which indicates a potential hazard, an obstacle or a condition requiring special attention. For instance, your check engine light. How many of you drive for months with that thing on? Couple of couple of honest people among the brethren today, yeah? Your check engine sign is a warning sign that says there is a potential problem on the horizon. You need to take it in and get it looked at. Or if you're like me, you don't take it in, but you see the, the, the check engine light. So you get out of the car and you roll your sleeves up. You know, you have, you roll them up like, and you pop the hood. You look for where the hood popper thing is. 
and you find it and you pop the hood, you pull it up and you find the little uh, metal bar that holds it up and uh, you open it up and then you look in there. (laughs) Son, come here, come here, let me show you something. You know, son, the check engine light was on and you see that right there, son? That is an engine. And my son, Caleb, he knows way more about this stuff. than he says, no, Dad, I think, uh, I think the engine's over there. <laughs> but a check, engine si- uh, a check engine light is a type of a warning sign. And we have all kinds of warning signs going out today, right, as it relates to physical health and viruses and sicknesses. And, and uh, there's so many going out today about what to look for, or warning signs on what you can do to prevent uh, getting sick, you've got the so you've got the check engine light. You've got the physical uh, warning signs. I have this app on my phone that when I have spent or anyone in my household has spent X amount of dollars per day, there's a warning sign, and I've got that special ding to it, so I know when my phone dings in a certain way, that's a warning sign that money is exiting the account, right? But even interpersonal, there's warning signs. So if you have been married for more than three hours and 40 minutes, you and your spouse have these warning signs that you can pick up that nobody else can. For instance, there's a certain way that my wife can look at me. I could say that she's not here. She's at the women's retreat today. (laughs) There's a certain way that she looks at me and I know that I'm about to meet my maker, right? <laughs> it's a warning sign. It's a warning sign. And here's why I'm saying this. This morning we're looking at warning signs that Jonah is in desperate need of revival. That's what we're looking at. That, that Jonah is in desperate need of revival or repentance or spiritual rejuvenation or to recapture the joy of his relationship with God. This is what we're looking at this morning. We're looking at warning signs for Jonah. So the second question this morning, the first question is, what is a warning sign? And the second question is, what were Jonah's warning signs this morning? So look with me, if you would, in Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read verses 14 through 16, and then we're going to stop and we're going to look at three significant, important critical warning signs that Jonah desperately needed a revival in his own heart. He needed personal revival in a most serious way. Here's what Jonah chapter 1 verse 4 through 16 says. Now if you'll remember, God has called Jonah to go and to preach against a city called Nineveh. And last week we looked at the reality that God called Jonah to get up and go northeast and Jonah actually got up and he went southwest. He literally went in the opposite direction of God. And so we're looking now at God's response to him and how it relays to us and teaches us that Jonah needed personal revival in his life. Verse 4, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty storm on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. 
And the mariners, the sailors, they were so afraid and each cried out to his God. So Jonah is in a boat with a bunch of pagan people who are worshiping all kinds of gods. And they were so afraid by what was happening that each one of them began to cry out to his God and they started hurling cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the ship for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and he had laid down and he was fast asleep. And so the captain came to him and he said, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give you thought to us that we may not perish. Now I want to read the rest of this in a moment, but I just want you to catch something. I want you to catch what the captain says to Jonah. Did you notice that word, arise? Do you remember the last time we read that word was as it was coming out of the very mouth of God saying, Jonah, I want you to arise and go to Nineveh. Well, he didn't. He went to the ship to run from the call of God. And the next time we see that word, it's coming out of the mouth of a pagan captain saying, arise and call out to your God. So verse 7 says, they, they, uh, they said to one another, the The mariners said to one another, come together, let's cast lots so that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to figure out who in this ship is responsible for the judgment that has fallen on us. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Can you imagine the awkwardness of that moment? (laughs) You're in a group of people. You don't know any of them. And you know somebody's done wrong. Can you just imagine this? And the lots are falling. And all of a sudden it lands to Jonah. And have you ever been in a situation where everybody just kind of goes. And he's just standing there, right? And, and so the lot falls to Jonah. Let's pick back up in the scripture. They, they said to him, tell, verse 8, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And, and, and what people are you? They've had all these questions for Jonah. Jonah, why is this happening to us? Who are you? What do you do? Where do you come from? What people do you claim? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, what is this you have done? Now they say with an exclamation point. Notice in there the exclamation point. They are literally shouting at each other at this point. They're yelling at one another. What have you done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. At least he's honest about it. Because do you know how many people are running from God that won't even be honest about it with themselves? That's an important thought for us this morning. Jonah had the courage at least to tell his friends, I'm running from God. Some of us run from God and we play church. And then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quieten down for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous, dangerous, fearful. And Jonah says, remember, this is Jonah's idea. Pick me up. And hurl me into the sea. And then the sea will quieten down for you. For I know that it is because of me that this great storm, this great tempest has come. 
upon you. But nevertheless, the men rode harder to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more dangerous against them. And therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us the innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And so they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Lord, as we think about this morning, signs that Jonah needed personal revival, we thank you that we know the rest of the book and you do have mercy on him. But we ask you, Lord, to help us in these brief moments that we have together to sit in the tension and the conflict of this moment and learn something from it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are signs that Jonah needs a personal revival that he needs to recapture this communion and this fellowship with God. Well, the first sign is that he was sleeping during his judgment. The Word of God says that Jonah, as as the ship is beginning to break up, as, as the storm is beating against the ship, as all of this trauma and drama is happening on the outside, Jonah is fast asleep down in the middle of the boat. Now, if you and I are similar, we have this thought. How in the world could Jonah be sleeping at a time like this? Now, some of you are thinking, no, I can sleep anywhere. I get Jonah because I can fall asleep anywhere. No, but I want you to think about this in a real way for a moment, okay? So first on the practical side, the boat is being beat to pieces and Jonah is asleep. Insane. But then on the theological side, think about this. Jonah is right in the middle of living a rebellious and disobedient life towards God. And he's in the middle of judgment. He's in the middle of running from God. And he's asleep. And we say, how could a person sleep in that condition? How could they not acknowledge where they are with God? And yet, we see people all around us that are under the judgment of God and they're sleeping right through it. And I don't mean to say that they're literally asleep, but they can't see and they're not responding to the fact that their life is out of step with God. And you can see it just like the mariners could see it. And they're thinking, what are you, Jonah? Are you crazy for sleeping through this important moment in your life? And and you may be able to see it for others. And you may be thinking to yourself, how can you sleep through this? How can you have these 
these moments in your life where you're out of step with God and your life is paying the price for it and you're just sleeping through it. Well, one of the reasons that we know Jonah needed personal revival is because he was sleeping through his judgment. We'll apply that to our own lives here in a little bit. But before we do that, let's keep looking at Jonah's life. Let's keep looking at warning signs. The second warning sign that Jonah needed rejuvenation, repentance, that he needed revival in his own personal life is that he had no concern for the suffering that he had caused. He had no concern for it. In fact, I, I see four things. You may look at this and find a few more than four, but I want to share with you four things that Jonah's rebellion caused other people, not himself. Okay, he is under God's judgment, but other people are suffering for it. I want to share with you four ways that we see this come out in the Scripture so that we understand that not only is Jonah sleeping through his judgment, but he doesn't care about the people around him. The first is that his judgment put other people in danger. Put him in danger. Jonah is the one running from God. He gets on the ship. He puts out into the ocean, into the sea. And because he was running from God, all of these other people are, are experiencing the storm that very clearly was sent by God. In fact, I just want for us to understand this is no coincidence. Look back in verse 4. It says, but the Lord hurled a great wind up on the sea and there was a mighty storm on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Can I just tell you that in so many of our hearts right now, we want to reject that. And it is, it is so uncomfortable for us to think about the fact that this loving God that we sing about and pray to and seek to follow, that He is so righteous and holy that if you rebel against Him, you will face His judgment. You will. And it's hard for us to read verse 4 and comprehend it and understand that because of Jonah's rebellion, God sent judgment on him. And then when we get to the second point that we're looking at, it's even more hard for us to swallow because we realize that these people were suffering because of someone else's sin. But Jonah was okay with that. Danger. The second thing that happens, and if you're making notes and Jonah's lack of concern for judgment, not only danger, but fear entered into their lives because of Jonah's unfaithfulness or rebellion or disobedience. The people around him began living in fear because of Jonah's sin, because of Jonah's rebellion. Confusion sets in because of Jonah's sin, because of Jonah's rebellion. We see that in the text when they all get together and they're trying to figure out what happened. What is going on? More specifically, who is responsible for this storm that has blown up on us? Danger, fear, confusion. Let me sidestep this for a second and just speak right to you and say it may very well be that you're living in danger or fear right now because of the rebellion of someone around you. 
And that may frustrate you. That may anger you. You may be at a place this morning where you would say, how could a loving God allow that to happen? It's interesting that we ask that question instead of the question, how could somebody intentionally put me through this? Like Jonah, just get right with God. And I know it says way easier, like it takes a lot of effort and and commitment to get right with God. And it takes an act of faith and stepping out in faith and saying just with this tremendous amount of trust and courage, okay, God, your way. But think about this. Jonah was okay with putting other people in danger and fear and confusion and all of the resources that were wasted because of Jonah's rebellion. Do you remember the part where we said they started taking cargo and throwing it off the ship? Why? Well, because of Jonah's sin. Jonah's sin cost other people tremendously. Their well-being, their comfort, their resources, wasted. How do we know that Jonah desperately needed a revival? Because he was sleeping through his judgment and because he didn't even care that other people were suffering. Now, you may have an objection this morning. And I have read in uh, books people objecting to that thought. Here's what they say. They say, no, 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 no. Jonah said, it's my fault. Throw me overboard and everything will return to normal. So there are some who would read this passage and say, no, it's not that Jonah didn't care. I mean, he says right in this, it says, this is my fault. And so just throw me overboard and we'll be done with it. No, that's not what Jonah was doing. Here's what Jonah was doing. His heart was so filled with hatred still that he would rather drown in the sea than go back and obey God. That's where Jonah was at. So let's be clear. Jonah did not care that his sin was making other people pay a huge price. The third way that we know that Jonah needed revival in his heart is that he needed spiritual advice from pagans, from people who don't even know God. Now, as you write that, I want to take a breath. I want to say something really important. We cannot allow that fact to breed arrogance or pride in our hearts as as believing people who are connected to God, we need to be careful that we don't look at the pagans and go, silly pagans, they don't know what they're talking about. We don't need to get to the place where we feel so much better about ourselves than the pagans because we're so much holier than they are. In fact, if anything, this scripture should guard us from that because in this story, it was the pagan sailors who were trying to get Jonah to connect back with God. The pagans are the only ones worshiping God here. 
I mean, ultimately, finally, when the sea stops, the scripture says they were worshiping God. And so I just want to be careful that when we say that it's a sign that we need revival. If we are listening to the spiritual advice of people who do not know God, I just want to be careful that we don't put ourselves in this, in this spot where we look down on other people. I don't want us to get there. And I just want to be careful that I'm not saying that, that we allow ourselves to get there. But listen, Jonah had a relationship with God. And we know that God spoke to Jonah because we see that in the very first and second and third verse. But Jonah has run so far from God that he needs pagan sailors to tell him to get up and start praying. And that's how we know that Jonah needed this personal revival. He wasn't paying attention to judgment. He didn't care what his sin cost other people. And he was looking to people outside of the faith to guide him on what his next step should be. Jonah was in a bad way. But the third question is this. What about good news? What about good news? Is there a silver lining here? I mean, is there actually, Pastor, is there any good news that you don't just have to really stretch to get to? Because you know how you can read a passage and it can even be a passage of judgment, and, but somebody tries to put like that positive spin on it in some ways and, and you, you walk away going, you know, I think the heaviness of the scripture should just sit on our hearts. Let's don't spin this. So that we can walk out of here and smile. But I do want to share with you some good news. Because I don't think that we have to twist the text to get there. I don't think that we have to manipulate scripture to get there. I believe that there really is some good news. And and let me give you two thoughts this morning by way of good news. The first one is this. Wherever a human being travels, God is there. Now this was not good news for Jonah. Because Jonah was actually trying to travel to a place where God was not. He was running from God. But may I say to you this morning, just Jonah aside, just a a one brother speaking to another brother or sister, wherever you travel, wherever you go, whatever ship you get on, whatever mode of transportation, wherever you're headed, I want you to know something beyond a shadow of a doubt. You cannot travel to a place that God is not already there. That's good news. Another nugget of good news is that wherever you travel, God will be at work in your life. Wherever you go. And you may be here this morning in a season of rebellion thinking to yourself, I have rebelled so long and so deep that I'm happy for Jonah, but that can't happen for me. Listen to me when I say this right to you this morning. There's no place that you can go that God is not at work in your life. Jonah is in the deepest rebellion he's ever been in. He's running from God. He's in the middle of a ship that's about to bust to pieces and he's down in the bottom of it. And God is still at work. 
in his life. That's good news. That's good news for those of us who from time to time find ourselves awakened by the Spirit with the reality that in some area of our life we've been disobedient. But God is still at work. That's good news. That's good news. Wherever you travel, God is there. And wherever you travel, God is at work. The fourth question is a question that really kind of pivots away from the Scripture. And it's a question about application. It's a question about, then if this is true, what do we do with this for our own life? Because it's important that we not just understand how far Jonah ran in rebellion, but it's important that we also understand that this has specific and important implication and application for our life. So the fourth question uh, that we're going to answer this morning, uh, if you have your bulletin, is what if I have my own personal warning signs? Now, I've looked at Jonah's life, and we collectively have noticed and observed that there were some signs in his life that he desperately needed personal revival in his life. And you may look at some of those warning signs and you may say, "Uh uh-oh. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever heard a a biblical truth and you want to say amen, but you have to say ouch? (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? You want to get excited about it, but it gives you a word of caution. You say to yourself, "Uh uh-oh. Maybe this morning you see some of your own personal warning signs that you desperately need revival in your life, that you need to be rejuvenated in your fellowship with God, that you need to recapture faithfulness and obedience. What if I see my own warning signs? What if... What if I have the courage to open my eyes and I discover that like Jonah, I have been fast asleep while the judgment of God has been falling on me? What if I open my eyes and I realize that the things that are happening in my life isn't random, unlucky occurrences and it isn't that I'm a victim of anyone, it is that I have walked away from God. Now, I want to be careful because some of us, in fact, are victims and we are victims like these seamen, like these mariners. We are victim of someone else's rebellion. But what if God shows us that we're the ones sleeping through our judgment? What if the Spirit gives us clarity this morning and we come to the realization that I really haven't been mindful of the suffering that my sin has caused in other people's lives? What if, what if I need personal revival? 
I want to share with you what I think would be healthy for us to do. I think that because it comes right out of the Word of God. I want to invite you, if you have your Bible open, to go left to the book of Psalm. All right? We're just going to end this morning by briefly looking at Psalm 51. Because I believe it answers the question for everyone. It doesn't matter how old you are this morning. It doesn't matter what your ethnic background is this morning. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is this morning. It doesn't matter uh, whether you've been in the faith for five minutes or 50 years. And it actually doesn't even matter if you're a believer currently or not yet a believer. I believe that Psalm 51 paints for us practical Steps that we can take if we realize that we're not right with God. And we need to be reconciled to God. It's three simple things. I want to share them with you this morning. Three simple things. And the first one is to ask for mercy. But you got to ask the right person for mercy. You have to ask the living God for mercy. You know, isn't it a tragedy to ask the right question but ask the wrong person? I mean, that would be a tragedy, wouldn't it? And I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that God is a merciful God. And you may be going, Pastor, it doesn't look like it by reading Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 16. Read the entirety of Scripture and you will realize that God is gracious and merciful and loving and compassionate. But we have to ask Him for mercy. And so if you, if you have Psalm 51 open, if you're still trying to find that, no pressure. I'm going to read it for you. But I want to read to you a couple of verses of this psalmist whose name is David. And he, he, he wandered from God. He wandered from obedience. He's living in rebellion. And God calls him out for it. And this is his response to his realization that he needed personal revival in his life. This is the first thing that he writes. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. And you may say, I don't deserve mercy. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. You get a 100% on your theological quiz today. We don't deserve mercy, but we get it from God. Specifically in today's culture, in today's context, through the goodness of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross, and the empty tomb that he left behind, we have to ask for his mercy. Psalm 51 begins that way. It goes on to say uh, in in verse 2, here's another request. Wash me thoroughly from iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Ask for mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. Wash me, O God. Cleanse me, O God. Verse 7 says, purge me, O God. That's a courageous thing to ask God, is it not? Purge me from all wickedness, from all unrighteousness, God. Purge it from me. Create in me a clean heart. So if we realize this morning that we need our own personal revival, what is the step? Step one, ask God for mercy. Have mercy, God. Wash me, God. Cleanse me, God. Purge me, God. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. The second step that Psalm 51 demonstrates for us is that we have to own our sin. 
We have to be willing to come into God's presence and say, Lord, I need you to cleanse me because I have sinned against you. I have rebelled against you and I'm asking for mercy, God. One of the most amazing things about this David character who writes Psalm 51, who happens to be the king, and I mean that in a literal way, he is the king at this time, is that he owns what he's done. Listen to this. He says, I know that my transgression and my sin is before you. He's talking to God. He's saying, I know that I cannot escape the reality that I have rebelled against you, God. He says, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. And I've done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. You know what I love about David in Psalm 51? He just says exactly what it is. God, I've rebelled against you. And you are righteous. Whatever judgment you put upon me, it's correct. I don't deserve your mercy, but God, I'm asking you for it. Would you, would you have mercy on me, God? Would you cleanse me? Would you purge me? Would you create a clean heart in me? And so this morning, if you're at the place where you're saying, in any specific area of your life, I need personal revival, then you need to ask God for mercy. And you need to own your sin. But the third thing that I want to really point out to you from Psalm 51 is that you need to align your life with God's purpose for you. Now, can I just pause here? Because I know like this is the point where Bibles start closing and Bulletins start shutting. Listen to me for a second. The good news of the entire Bible is that in Jesus Christ, God made a way for us to align with him. You know, Mike was talking about before we were singing the song, the fact that we can't change ourselves, but Jesus gives us what we need. And I'm just telling you this morning, that if you find that you need personal revival in your life and you're already a believer, you need to come back to Jesus. And if you're not a believer, you need to come to Jesus. And you need to enter the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And this is the significance of the cross. And maybe you've never thought about why is the crucifixion of Jesus so important It's important because it makes it possible for us to have peace with God, to have a right standing with God, to ask for mercy, to own our sin, and then to be aligned with God. Not because of our strength, but because of the generosity of Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb. And that's the good news. And so while we allow Jonah to spotlight into our hearts and illuminate for us the reality that he's not the only one that sleeps through his judgment. And he's not the only one who can live with lack of concern or care of what his rebellion produces in other people. And while we can look at Jonah's life and learn that there can be times, and even believers' lives, 
where we desperately need a revival, a personal revival, we come back to the cross and the reality that Jesus is the gate by which we have peace with God. And if you have never been there, oh, the peace that we have when we release the life of Jonah into the past and move forward in peace with God. There's no words to describe it. And if you're here today and you're suffering because of someone else's sin, I am so sorry that that is your experience. And my prayer is that when it is said and done, that you will be able to do exactly what the mariners were able to do when they suffered under someone else's sin. Worship the Lord.